Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. So um, tonight, I have a, like I said, I have a few preachers lined up for you, um, but I want to just give you a word of encouragement uh, to start off with. <clears throat> if you were to ever, if anyone ventures into the wild of Alaska or fishes in the salmon-rich waters of British Columbia or hikes into the pristine wilderness of the great American West, that one will be advised and warned and told by park rangers and guides and experienced outdoorsmen alike. Whatever you do, don't ever come between a mama bear and her cubs. There's a man in Dallas that probably wishes that he had taken advice like that when he tried to tangle with a mother who surprised him with her passion to protect her own children. And the news article came out in uh, July 15th in the Dallas Morning News of 2005. And you may remember this story. As Anthelma Arroyo pulled into a gas station in Oak Cliff with her three kids in the car to fill her car up. And while she was pumping the gas, a man approached her and demanded her purse. And she refused him. And at her refusal, he jumped into the driver's seat of the car to drive away. And she began to scream at her kids to get out of the car. Her six-year-old son managed to get out. And she was able to open the back door and grab her four-year-old daughter and get her out before the man started taking off. Her 18-month-old daughter was still strapped in, though. And that's when this mother went into action. As she ran alongside that car as it was trying to speed out of that parking lot, Antelma grabbed a hold of, hold of the steering wheel and held on for dear life. And when the purse snatcher turned car thief got out onto the road, he began to pick up speed. And she's hanging onto that steering wheel outside the car, being dragged by this car. And this thief is punching her in the face, trying to get her to let go of the steering wheel. But she would have none of that. And she held on and somehow managed to pull her body into that driver's side of the car. And in all that confusion, the car thief stalled the car. And at that, he decided he had enough. <laughs> and he jumped out of that car and ran for his life. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. In other words, he is going to fulfill what he said he would do. God's promise is sure. You just have to be determined to hold on, to hold on to that hope. Because there are things in this world that are going to try to persuade you otherwise. The enemy is going to lie to you, and he's going to try to rob you of your hope. But if you'll hold on to that confident expectation with everything that is in you, you know that you will see that he is faithful to his promise. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, even as Abraham believed God, and he was persuaded that God was able to perform whatever he promised. Be persuaded above all else and hold on to hope because it's taken you to that promise. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, I want to introduce a couple of uh, people to you tonight that you've actually probably never heard preach. 
And I'm going to call on the first one tonight. She is a student of mine, actually, at Christ for the Nations Institute, the greatest Bible college on planet Earth. And um, this girl took homiletics from me a year ago. Was it a year ago, Jessica? A year ago. And I hadn't talked to her the entire semester. And at the end of the semester, um, for homiletics, it's the art and science of preaching. And they, for their final grade, they have to prepare a 10-minute sermon and then preach it for me uh, to get their grade. And I give them a five-minute critique. So I hadn't talked to Jessica the entire semester. She just sat, she'd come in, she'd just sit over in her chair, and she'd just smile and listen real quiet. Awesome. And finally, the day of preaching labs is where I line up all these preachers back to back, and they, they preach for them. She comes up to me, and I said, oh, hello. And she said, hi. She said, I just had a question. She said, uh, it's about my accent. And, of course, you're going to hear that in just a moment. I said, yeah. She, she was wondering if her accent would be distracting to her message. I said, not in the South. Not here. Maybe if you were up in New York or someplace like that, but you're in Texas. This is safe territory. And uh, with that, she stood up and preached and aced that class. I mean, it was phenomenal. And, uh, but right now, she's in my uh, class I'm teaching called Corinthian Letters, and she, she just came up to me and shared a, a um, testimony with me about a revelation that she got from, from, her, from Scripture. And I said, would you come Wednesday night and would you share that with our people? And she said, yeah. Uh, but I'm going to give her a little bit more time. So I'm going to give her around, what, what was I going to tell you, 10 minutes or so? And everybody, all the other ones are going to have about five minutes, all right? So the light of favor is on Jessica tonight. So if you would, please welcome Jessica Hacker. Yes, like he said, I have an accent. I'm sure you can already tell. <laughs> and when I first moved to Dallas, it was a huge insecurity of mine. Like when I was preparing for my message for uh, my homiletics class, it, it was like so much anxiety. I didn't think I was going to be able to take it. But now, I'm, I mean, I'm not so insecure about it. Uh, like I said, when I first moved here and I was insecure, I would try to correct it. That was just a disaster. <laughs> So I'm going to be myself tonight and just pray that you can hear me beyond my thick accent. And I'm from Kentucky, by the way, if you're wondering. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, it's just an honor uh, to be here. Uh, I know you know this already, but you have an amazing pastor. I just respect him and his wife so much. I've just learned so much and received so much from sitting at Cross for the Nations in his class, and I just honor him tonight, and I'm so thankful that I'm here tonight and for this opportunity. But if you have your uh, Bible, you can turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And I'm going to be preaching just for a few minutes on it is settled. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. 
Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation." Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And two things I want us to focus on tonight as I preach on it is settled is the first one is received by faith and the second one is bury the hatchet. And back in verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. And now I love this scripture, and I'm sure most of you all have heard this scripture before, but this is one scripture that I have personally struggled with receiving on my own. I could believe it for somebody else, I could preach it to somebody else, but when it came to my personal time of walking this scripture out, it was a struggle. Because I received Christ at a very young age. I was eight years old when I received Christ. I can remember it just like it was last night though. It was on a Wednesday night, and I remember I knelt down and people were around around me, laying hands on me, praying for me as I just uh, cried out to uh, God to receive salvation and tears were just flowing down my face and it was the first time that I actually encountered the manifestation of the presence of God and it was so real to me at eight years old and I can still remember the peace that I felt that night. But like I said, that is when I was eight years old and now I am 32. And so between eight years old and 32, I've made a few mistakes. Between eight years old and 32, I've committed some sins. Between 8 years old and 32, I've experienced some failures in my life. And so when I read, when I would read this scripture, all, all things have, or old things have passed away and all things have become new. I'm like, how can that be for me when I receive salvation at 8? And after I receive salvation, it's like I ex I've experienced failure. After I receive salvation, it would like sometimes I would go through seasons where I would be entangled with sin. And I can remember there were certain times in my life just being entangled with sin and I would think if I could just get away from this situation for maybe three months, for six months, then I would feel like that I could compensate for the sin that I had uh, committed in the previous season. And if I could just get my behavior right, then I would feel like that I was conquering sin, that I would be right with God. And even with the failures in my life, you know, 10 years ago, I started out at Christ for the Nations. And that summer, I went home and I didn't return. I didn't complete my degree at Christ for the Nations. And that was a huge regret of mine. And I felt like a huge failure when that happened. And I began to pursue other things at home. And I remember when God called me back here, I knew, I knew, I knew that I was supposed to come back here and finish what God started 10 years ago. And I began to think, okay, this this is it. This is my one success. I can go down there. I can succeed. And all these other failures, I can just leave them behind because finally I will have success under my belt. I can say that I succeeded. So I moved down here and the first semester was amazing. The second semester, 
It was incredible. The summer, I had a good summer. I got to do a lot of different things. And then I come back this semester, and at the beginning of the semester, just things begin to go crazy. And the most, the biggest thing that's happened this semester, it was just beyond my control. I cannot control it. And in that moment, failure began to creep back in. In that moment, I began to think about all the failures I had experienced up to this point. And I thought, no, I cannot fail at this. I have to succeed. I wanted success at this more than anything. But it's like the more I just chased success in this semester, the, far, the farther it went away from me. And I'm like, Lord, no, this cannot happen. I have to be successful at this. But in heaviness began to set into my life and it was just it was just so difficult but then a couple weeks ago I was studying some scripture that we had been talking about in Corinthian letters and I and it was this scripture and I just started reading that scripture and I just just felt heavy but I as I started reading the scripture and I started reading the scripture out loud just something started happening right there in my apartment on campus and in that moment I decided to not identify with the failure that I was experiencing but identify with the word of God that was proceeding out of my mouth and in that moment I can't describe it I hardly can explain it but something shifted something changed but because I made a decision no longer was I going to identify with my shortcomings? No longer was I going to identify with failures because I knew that I was made for more. I knew that God's Word said that I was more than a conqueror. I knew that God's Word said that old things had passed away and behold, all things have become new. And tonight, I challenge you, whatever is in front of you or whatever is behind you, it is settled in the Word of God. And I want to tell you tonight that stop identifying with your behavior and start identifying with the Word of God. Start identifying with what Jesus Christ died on the cross for you to receive. And you do that by faith. And once you begin to identify with the Word of God, and once you identify and begin to confess the Word of God, then your behavior will start lining up with the Word of God. You cannot be delivered from sin by good behavior. You are delivered from sin by faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful for that revelation because what I've strived for for years had already been paid for me. What I'd work for, what I'd try to work for, what I'd try to earn was already sitting right in front of me. All I had to do was receive it by faith in Jesus Christ. Receive by faith. Your freedom will only come by your faith in Christ. And that brings us to the second thing that I want to discuss tonight, and that is bury the hatchet. 2 Corinthians 5.18, what I read earlier, it says, And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Reconcile, if you, if you just look up the definition to reconcile, you'll see a lot of different definitions. But you'll see restore friendly relations, settle one's differences, and you'll even see one of the phrases that it's used for reconcile is bury the hatchet. And I was reading this that same night a couple of weeks ago. And when I read that phrase, bury the hatchet, something just came alive on the inside of me. And God started speaking to me. 
And I don't know if you're familiar with that phrase. Maybe you've said it before. It's a figure of speech. And a lot of times people will say, oh, just go bury the hatchet with that person. You know, settle your differences. Let it be settled. Let it be done and don't remember it anymore and just go on. Settle your difference. Bury the hatchet. And I don't know if you know this or not, but actually it's a, it's a term or a figure of speech that was from the Native Americans. And what would happen is when one tribe wanted to settle a, a disagreement or anything with another tribe, the chief would literally go out and they would bury the hatchet. And it says, and, and it's recorded, and even sometimes they would want to go out and they would want to get that hatchet and just hurl it deep into the earth so it would never be seen again. They would want it settled, never, ever to be seen again. And I want you to know tonight that the sins that you've committed are forgiven. It's settled. The hatchet has been buried. The mistakes that you lay awake at night in shame and regret, I want you to know tonight that it's settled by the cross of Jesus Christ and the hatchet has been buried. And receive it by faith tonight. Your mistakes, your shortcomings, your sins, your failures, they have been buried. They have been settled by the cross, by Jesus Christ on the cross tonight. And I just praise God and I thank God for what He's done in my life and for the Word that He has spoken into me. And I just pray that this Word would come alive in you and you would know that whatever you're dealing with tonight, that you don't have to carry it, that you don't have to go back and forth with it, for it is settled and receive that by faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's like she believes it or something. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. That'll set the captives free right there. Hmm? Anybody get free already tonight by that word? Yeah. Well, I did. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Wow, wow. You know what? Jessica, if you wouldn't mind this, whenever we come to the end of this service, would you just be available to pray with anybody who would like prayer concerning that? All right? She'll, we'll just have her come up in front here, and if you want to just have her pray over you, we'll give that time tonight, okay? Amen. Well, I would also, now I would like to call upon our pastor in Irving, one cause Irving to come, Pastor Brian Gray, and bring the word today. Well, hey there, everybody. How are y'all? Good to, good to be here in McKinney, home right? <laughs> and uh, good to be amongst family. Uh, it's home everywhere. If it's a one-cause church, it's home. And um, it's, it's good to be home, good to be amongst family tonight. Uh, interesting that, that Pastor Eric opened up with what he did. Um, <laughs> there's a little bit of a theme. <laughs> um, and for those of you who, who might find yourselves in a season of weariness or, or kind of uh, flagging, getting tired, uh, being worn down, uh, the constant assault or, you know, the life, the world, the devil, you know, all of those things. Uh, this, is, this is a word that, uh, that is for you. Uh, I'm going to start in, in, in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, starting in verse 24. And it, 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 24. It says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? 
Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. You know, it's an interesting thing. As a Christian in this world, we oftentimes find ourselves defending our faith, or uh, there's a lot of people who, who wonder how it is that you can believe in something, anything, when the fact of the matter is, is that belief or faith is an inescapability of this life. You will choose to believe in something. You will choose to run after something. You are running a race right now. The question is, what kind of prize are you going to get at the end of that race? So stop asking, am I running or should I run? That question isn't the issue. The issue is, what are you running towards? And are you running towards something that is certain? Right? And there is only one thing that is actually certain. There's only one thing that we can actually put our trust in because it isn't something that we made. It was something that was created and given to us. And that is the eternal something that was and is and is to come. There's a, an interesting uh, new store that I stumbled across called uh, The Something Store. <laughs> it's the name of it, The Something Store. Some of you may have heard of this. I just discovered it today. It's a store where for $10, you can buy something, literally. You send them $10, and they send you a box full of something. You don't know what it is until you get it. It could be a tie with Bob Dole's face on it. It could be an electric car scraper. It could be a Kindle. You have no idea until you get the box, right? And they've actually done pretty well, the something store has. It's uh, based on an ancient Japanese tradition, and I'm going to butcher the name, but it's uh, Fukabukuro, I believe, is how you say it. So I apologize to my Japanese friends. Um, but it's a New Year tradition where they fill up a bag full of just randomness and they hand it out. And you buy it and sometimes you get a bag full of tacks and sometimes you get a Rolex watch, right? And I find that so many people in this world are running the race pursuing that. A bag of something, right? No idea what's at the end of the race, but there's something and maybe it's a bag of tacks or maybe it's something good, right? And I find that even we as Christians sometimes have a tendency to pray prayers of something. God, do something. God, won't you just show up somehow, right? But the fact of the matter is, is we serve a God of everything, not a God of something. And he didn't just pay $10, he paid everything. So when you pray, you can ask for everything because the price of everything has already been paid for. So when you pray, know that you are secure because of the payment that has already been sent out in receiving whatever you ask for in faith. And I want you to think about two things in that. First of all, God is constant. We are pursuing a God who is constant in everything, who was and is and is to come, who, as Pastor Eric said, is a God of surety, a God who will see that his word is performed. And because of that constant nature, there is no uncertainty to what we can ask for or what we will receive. Secondly, because he is constant, we can trust that that constant nature is goodness because it tells us in James that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights above with whom there is no variableness 
or shadow of turning. So not only is he constant, but he constantly does good. So your bag is consistent and certain in what it is, and it is certain in its goodness to you. So only receive the goodness that Jesus paid for, that God gives, which is the everything and the certainty and surety than we have in him. I want to leave you with this one last thought. Run the race with endurance. In Galatians 6, 9, it says, Do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will receive your harvest. The only way to lose is to give up. That's it. And that's what the enemy's trying to get you to do. He doesn't want you to get to your harvest. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. In Psalm 27, David says this, I would have lost heart if I did not believe that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Right? We have a hope that we can expect our good God, who is everything, to deliver everything, not someday, but today. We can see it now in the land of the living. And lastly, I just want to read Philippians 4, 8 over you to encourage you, because this, this for me is everything, and whenever I find my mind stirring and find my mind spinning, find myself in that uncertain place, find my mind, I don't know what to pray for, so I start praying for some things. Philippians 4, 8 tells us what to do. It says this, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Put away the thoughts of something and settle on the certainty of the goodness of your God. Fine, fine preaching. Thank you. It's good to see you up in Adam. We prayed for you Sunday morning. Yeah. Awesome. And of course, Pastor Brandon filled in for you, and, or, or I had called him at 5 o'clock Sunday morning because John had called me at 5 o'clock in the morning. And uh, so, but I, yeah, I was already up. But he wasn't up. He had that grizzly bear voice. <laughs> I mean, he has one when he's awake, but you ought to hear him when he's just waking up. <laughs> anyway, I sure appreciate you, Mr. Brandon, very much. All right. Now, I would ask my daughter, Madeline Holler, to come and bring a word she just Finished homiletics at Christ for the Nations. It was pretty unique for me to be her dad and professor uh, in this class. And I'm proud to say that she scored 100 on her, on her, in her sermon. I didn't grade it. I said, I'm too close to this. So her mean uncle Brandon graded her. So I asked her to share a part of her message with you tonight. I think you'll be really blessed. Come on, Maddie Claire. Hey, guys. So really quick, my best friend is watching me on live stream, so I just have to say, what's up, Brittany? Love you. <laughs> okay, if you will open your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 16, verse 33. Again, that's John chapter 16, verse 33. And tonight I'm going to be telling you how, although you're going to face trouble in this world, you're going 
you're going to overcome that trouble because no matter what you face while you're alive here on this earth, you are guaranteed to overcome every time because God has overcome. So John chapter 16, verse 33, in the NIV version, uh, Toys R Us version as my papa calls it, says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And if you break the scripture down, it says in this world you will face trouble. Not in heaven, because in heaven we're guaranteed joy and victory 100% of the time. But while we're alive here in this, in this earthly mindset, we're going to face attacks from the enemy. But to take heart by setting aside our opinions and our emotions and our anger because he has overcome. That should get you through anything you face. Thinking about the fact that Jesus died on the cross just for you. That, should, that, should, just that thought alone should get you through anything that you face. So I'm going to tell you how you're guaranteed to overcome tonight. In November of 2014, my uncle Justin and his wife Rachel found out that they were having their very first baby together. And it was very exciting news for the family, as it had been about 13 or 14 years since we had a grandchild born on this side of the family. So I know that my grandparents were elated to have another baby to spoil when mom and dad weren't around. However, in December of 2014, they had a miscarriage. And although we were all very devastated, they wasted no time and got pregnant immediately again. And on April 16th of 2015, they found out they were having a baby boy, which was really exciting because we only have one grandson on this side. So I know he was excited to not be the only one who was being forced into princess dresses and stuff by all the girls. Um, the next day, I get a call from my dad while I was at work on April 17th. And he tells me, Maddie, I need you to cancel any plans that you have tonight. And that night we were having a memorial concert for a, a, a kid in our church who had previously passed away that month. And so I needed to be there for that. I said, Dad, no, there's no way I can miss this. This is so important. This is a mod's thing. I can't miss it. And again, he says, Maddie, you need to cancel those plans. Confused, I start frantically looking for any negotiations I can make with him. I said, Dad, I'll, I'll clean the house. I'll do whatever you need me to do. Just please let me go tonight. And the next words he said shook me so hard. He said, Maddie, this morning your uncle Justin passed away, and I need you to take off of work so you can come be with the family. And this cloud of, of distraught and, and hurt just came over me, and I fell to my knees, and I started weeping. And I could not believe that this happened to my uncle Justin, who didn't really have it all together his whole life, but this past few years, got a new job in Seattle, got married, having his first baby with this new wife. Like, it just, it's just all coming together for him. How can this happen to somebody who did not deserve this? And throughout this whole tragedy, doctors were telling my aunt, you're at risk for losing the baby because she was so emotionally stressed out that she couldn't take care of her body anymore. But God kept this scripture in my mind. Hey, Maddie, I have overcome. Don't forget my goodness. I know that your family has never gone through anything like this before, but I'm still here. I'm still good. Keep your eyes on me. You will get through this. And because of his, of, of his graciousness, on September 22nd of 2015, Colin Martin Cook was born into the world. Five pounds, two ounces, six weeks early, but healthy as can be. And he's a miracle from God. You're going to face things in this world. The enemy is going to attack you. 
Just because you're saved does not mean that your life is going to be this grand, amazing, perfect thing. No, you're doing something for the kingdom of God and the enemy sees that and he wants to destroy you. But let me tell you right now that you cannot let that dictate if your life is going to go downhill or uphill. You have to keep your eyes on God because he is good no matter what. And you will overcome because he has overcome. He sent his son to die on the cross for you so that you can overcome no matter what the enemy throws at you. He doesn't cause bad things to happen to you to teach you a lesson. No, he brings joy out of bad things so that that way you always get the victory. Don't be discouraged by defeat, but be encouraged by the victory that comes afterwards. So before I close, oh, I just stepped on that. Before I close tonight, I just want you to know that no matter what the enemy throws at you, you will overcome because he has overcome. Thank you. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. I asked her right before service started if she would do that tonight. So she wasn't warned ahead of time. She got warnings like I did when I was being trained to preach. <laughs> Just after praise and worship's over and it's about to go into offering. And then my dad, either while he's sitting next to me or gets up to the pulpit, said, Eric's coming to receive the offering. I'm like, what? Are you? So it's fun to be the guy giving it out now. <laughs> Amen. Um, praise God. Where is, there he is, Jeremiah Land. Pastor Jeremiah Land, come back up here, man. We missed you. He was in Lake Charles, Louisiana, he and his family. Finally, they got back to where God is. Well, while I was on Louisiana soil, God met me there. <laughs> I had an Abraham encounter. And while I was there, this miracle happened. The Saints won by a dominating fashion, and LSU won while I was on. So I don't know if that's a sign, but we'll, we'll nope, no sign. Stay in here. I want to talk to you all um, out of uh, Mark 14, and it's the story of um, Jesus being uh, at a house hanging out, and this woman walks in with uh, this bottle of oil, and she breaks it and anoints it on his feet and on his body, and as he's doing that, everyone around him and her in this moment are snickering and laughing and saying, oh, it's really expensive, it's a lot of money, um, I can't believe she spent that much. Um, but her and Jesus are having this moment. And then we see Jesus responding, and I'll just read the few verses that Jesus responds, 14, verse 6. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble her? She has wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me you don't always have. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken for a memorial of her. So he says she's done what she can. She's done everything that she can. Everybody else be quiet. Let's have this moment. And everywhere that the gospel is preached, her story will resonate. 
As I was thinking about this message, I, I heard this song that I'd never heard before, and I googled this song about this person, this animal that I'd never even heard. And maybe you've heard it before because it's just an amazing story. There's this reindeer by the name of Rudolph, and supposedly he has this very shiny nose, but there's no video evidence of him because if you saw him, you would, you would probably say that it glowed. Um, but all the other reindeer that he hung out with, they laughed at him and called him names. They didn't even, they didn't let him play any type of reindeer games. Then one foggy, foggy Christmas Eve, uh, this man by the name of Santa, who knows who that is, but uh, I googled him as well, and he's like this, this, this God man. He does these like crazy things, um, and he goes from house to house and, and brings you toys, so you can google him later. Um, and so uh, he says that it's just too foggy, so why don't you come and, and lead my reindeer? And then all the reindeer loved him all of a sudden, and they shouted with glee. And this Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer will go down in history. Now, I'm sorry that I, I had to sing the whole song to get to this one statement where it says that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer will go down in history. You see this woman, uh, she's making this money time after time with the thought of, I am saving this penny, and I'm saving this penny, and I'm saving this because one day I'm going to have an encounter with Jesus that I've never had before. And she's doing this in the quiet. She's doing this secretly. And all of a sudden, she saves up enough money and she hears where Jesus is and she goes and falls down and she has this moment with Jesus. And all of a sudden, everyone who's not encountering that moment is all of a sudden making fun of her. Rudolph is the same way. He has this talent. He has this amazing ability. But everyone makes fun of him until he has an encounter with the God-man who shows up and changes his life forever. So I want to come to you today and say that those prayers that you've done in secret where you said, God, please heal me. God, please restore me. God, please save me. Those individual prayers that you've saved time and time again, I'm letting you know that you will have your God moment where you will stand and kneel and worship at the foot of Jesus and that miracle will happen. It will happen. You've been saving. You've been doing. You've been doing all of these things saying, well, does God even care? Does God even know? Does anybody even hear what I'm doing? And if we read that verse in Mark, he says, she's done everything that she could. Everyone else be quiet because people are going to talk. God's not going to heal you. God's not going to save your marriage. God's not going to restore you. God's not going to show up. But my God's a good God. And he stands there and says, at this moment when that miracle happens in your life, it will go down in history. And you will be able to tell your friends, your family, and everyone you come in contact with that I met the man God, Jesus Christ. I worshiped at his feet and he changed my life. Amen? Amen. Fantastic. Very interesting comparison. You are a creative individual, Jeremiah Land. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Anybody encouraged yet? Yeah. Me too. We've got one more who's going to bring us home tonight. Pastor Brandon Marshall. Come bring the word, brother. All right. Well, good evening. How are you? Good to see everybody tonight. So encouraged by the Word of God. I just, uh, I don't know, something happened to me tonight. I was sitting there, and um, 
Yeah, watching these young guys and ladies uh, do what they do and do it well is such an encouragement. Um, so before I begin, if, I, if you don't mind, the Lord was saying something to me concerning you, if you wouldn't mind, and I know I don't ever do this. <laughs> so uh, I, uh, how long have we been together? A long time. 14 years. And for 14 years, when we started this moments of five minutes, uh, the quality of preachers has changed considerably. Uh, not necessarily the quantity, but the quality of these preachers. And so I was thinking about this. And I was thinking, man, when I was that age, I wish that I was uh, that rounded and had that type of revelation instead of just shooting from the hip. You know, we'd go up there and just tell a good story and it was all good. But now over the years, I've seen it evolve into uh, to your life um, changing the lives of other people. And so not too long ago, I was in Napa. And I'm going to tell you this the only way I know how. I, I would love to just give you a prophetic word. It would be awesome. But I'm a storyteller, so that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I was in Napa not too long ago, and I learned something about the harvest of a, of a vine. Uh, there were all these new vines that had been planted because the old vines had run their course. And uh, there was some type of disease called red leaf disease that had taken over a portion of the valley, which means that they had to produce new vines and plant new vines. And it takes about three or four years for those vines to actually produce. But the, the old vines are the ones with the, the sweetest quality. And though they can't produce in mass quantities like the young vines can, the quality and the value of the fruit is much, much higher. The difference between a $10 bottle of wine and a $1,000 bottle of wine, just depending on the age of the vine, not necessarily the fruit. And so I, I think what, uh, what I want to say to you tonight is that the, the harvest that you're coming into is one of value. And uh, though, um, uh, how do I say it? It will be great in quantity as well, but the quality, the quality of what your life is producing has to do with the age of your vine and the, the wisdom that you produce and how the, 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 the sturdiness of the root. And so I really believe that, uh, that you're going to start to see uh, that in a, in, a, in a greater manner, a greater measure, uh, that, uh, that you'll start to notice that it takes less effort to produce the quality just because your vine is good. Uh, that the work that you're putting in and, it, and then the toiling of these different things, the vine will start to take over and do what it does and less work on your part but a higher yield. Uh, so anyway, for what it's worth, I'm, I'm very happy to see that and to, to be a part of, of what you're doing. And uh, for the rest of you guys, the, uh, the people who spoke tonight, I just want you to know you guys are excellent. And that was some of the best that I've heard maybe ever. You guys are great, really good at this. Uh, Galatians chapter 3. You wouldn't mind. I want to start reading in verse 13. All the fresh homiletic students said the verse three times. Did anybody else catch that? I was like, look how well trained they are. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. And again, that's Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. <laughs> Very familiar scripture. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. I want to read it to you in the message version because I think it's interesting. It says, Christ redeemed us from that self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. What a powerful piece of scripture. 
that the, the, the life of fighting, the, the life of trying to make yourself better, the life of, of self-condemnation when you couldn't measure up, the life of trying to be good enough, like my sister said earlier tonight, that life is finished because Jesus Christ absorbed all of that into himself, into the person that he is, and our life is hidden in him. The Bible teaches us that we are designed for good works, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that God had predestined beforehand that we should walk in him. Our lives are for a purpose, a purpose that was laid out before the beginning of time, and we are his workmanship. We're not our workmanship. We're his workmanship. He redeemed us. He absorbed everything that belonged to us, everything that, that was coming to us. He took it upon himself so that we, through him, could be free. Now, we experience trials and storms in life, but, but we overcome, like Maddie said. We overcome these things. Not because we have evolved into a species that is able to overcome by our efforts. Not because we've gotten better at fighting and sticking things out. You know, a lot of people pride themselves. I used to pride myself on my ability to overcome anything just by sticking it out. You may see me fall, but you'll never see me quit. And that's true. You ever get in a fight with me, we're going to be going at it for a week. You better have your lunch because I ain't going to quit. I don't give up. You're going to have to fight me every time you see me. Just don't give up. And, when I, and we pride ourselves on this ability to just keep bouncing back up. And it's a great human trait to keep bouncing back up. But we don't have to fight. The storm is over with. The storm is over. I was, you know, I was riding home from Oklahoma with some friends of mine not too long ago, and believe me, we were getting back to Texas as fast as we could. <laughs> it had started raining, and I don't know if uh, uh, this is a concept that apparently hasn't dawned on a lot of people, but there are separate lanes in the freeway for separate speeds. I don't know if you knew that. A lot of people can't seem to grasp, but the left lane is for going fast. Raise your hand if you understand. Yeah, the rest of y'all are the ones over there in the left lane going 45 miles an hour, yeah. And so we're in the left-hand lane, and we're cruising along at a pretty good rate of speed, and it had been raining all the way from Oklahoma. We crossed over the border, and just about Sherman, uh, which is just, uh, just south of the Oklahoma border, the rain had stopped, but the road was still wet. And so we were, we were riding along, everything was fine, and, and we noticed that this motorcycle, bless his heart, had been riding all the way from Oklahoma. And he was behind an 18-wheeler, and I mean, this guy is just hunkered down, just fighting it out. And there's road spray coming up, there's, there's the, the water flying off the 18-wheeler, and this guy's got his head down riding, out, riding it out, and it, it's not a bit more raining than... It, but to him, he thought it was still raining. I thought this poor sucker hadn't even looked up long enough to realize that the storm has finished. And here he is with all this residual just got his face in the, I mean, just, just, just riding it out. Got his helmet on, got his leathers on, following the same truck, just determined to make it. And I, the Lord started talking to me about this instance. And my brother actually in the back seat said, man, if he'd just look up, he'd realize all he needs to do is change the lane. And we laugh at that because we know. We're the people in the other lane going, hey, man, roll the window to hey. But how many times in life have we had our head down just determined to make it? 
And we get so caught up in our ability to just strive it out that we, if we would just look up, we'd realize that the storm is over. The storm is finished. The stuff that you're experiencing now is just residual from what was because you have refused to change lanes. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And I want you to know tonight that if you'll just pick your head up, just look up. If you feel like it's raining on you, you feel like you're all by yourself on two wheels, uncomfortable, don't want to change because there's, there's, there's more danger in changing than in staying where you are. You've become just so, so, so used to the concept of, of striving and overcoming. Look up. It's not raining anymore. Christ redeemed you from the curse of the law. He made you something you were not so that your life could be good, so that you could enjoy the ride. Amen. Amen. If you're here tonight, I want you to stand up on your feet as we close. We're going we're gonna to let out of here tonight. So I'm going to ask Ms. Jessica to come up. Uh, and with your permission, Pastor Eric, just to all those who minister tonight, uh, come up here and be available for prayer. I... Um, this word, this word of changing lanes, take that to heart tonight. Get out from behind the same scenery that you've been following and just decide to change lanes. Just change lanes. If you're here tonight and you need prayer, I'm going to ask you to come up as soon as we close and these people will be available to pray for you, lay their hands on you, whatever it is, because this is what a church family does. The church is not something to attend. It's a family that we belong to. And you are a part of this family, and as family members, we hold each other up. So this is not weird. I don't want you to feel like you, maybe I shouldn't, maybe, yeah, no, you definitely should. You definitely should, all right? Father, we thank you for the opportunity under your word, Lord. We thank you. Lord, I thank you for the fruit of this vine. I thank you, God, for this church, for its roots, for the families that belong to this church, Lord. And I speak over them now a word of peace, a word of prosperity, Lord, an uplifting I thank you, Lord, for the value that is here, the value of the lives that are here, Lord. And I thank you that each person will begin to recognize the value in their own life, God, and start to live out life as if they belong to the most precious God, as if they belong to the one who gave his only son for us. You didn't give us your best available option, Lord. You gave us your only and we thank you for that only that was more than enough to pay for all of these things in our life to bring us out from where we've been, Lord, to, to calm the storms in our life and allow us to get on a faster track, to get on a lane that makes sense for our lives. Lord, I thank you for clarity of thought for all those that are here, Lord. Clarity of thought and speech, Lord, I thank you for favor. I thank you for divine appointment, God. Thank you for setting people up with divine encounters, unexpected collisions with good things. At the grocery store, the, uh, the, 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 the clothing store, wherever they go, God, that their, your favor surrounds them. And they'll start to experience that in their lives, God, that things will start to become easy, an easy flow for them. Thank you, Lord. No more storms. I speak peace to every storm in their life in the name of Jesus. Everything that would try to come against them and cause them to slip, that would cause them to, to keep their head down and not be effective, we call peace to that in Jesus' name. We release the peace of God that passes all understanding to guard the hearts and minds of your people, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for happiness and joy in this season, the greatest season of all, Lord, <laughs> when the Savior of the world was born. We give you glory for all things. Bless these people now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, 
please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.